You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Well, I want to talk to you today about the God of mercy. I've been interviewing some people for this series, and uh, the criteria was they had to be non-believers or non-Christian. They could be religious, but not really have a connection with God. And I talked to somebody a while ago, and I said, so tell me, if I was to tell my church what God is like, how would I best describe him? And here's what this gentleman said. He said, I always see God as the game whack-a-mole. It's, uh, everybody ever seen whack-a-mole? Maybe at uh, Chuck E. Cheese? Anybody ever been there? I guess nobody goes there anymore, but, uh, or arcade. And it's, you, you have this little hammer or kabonker, I call it. And every time the mole pops up, you're, you're supposed to get the mole. You just hit it, and it gets faster and faster and faster, and if you get really good at it, you get credits, you get to whack more moles on the head. All that to say this, when he told me that, I thought, boy, that's how a lot of people see God. You step out of line and whack. You tell a lie and whack. Uh, you know, you cheat, boom, on a test at school, whack, you know. Uh, you have a lustful thought, or a Whack. And that's what God goes around doing, just whacking people. Instead of whack-a-mole, it's whack, whack a boy, whack a girl, whack a man, whack a woman, and then whack over the head. But God is not that way at all. Though he's a God who's holy, he's a God of justice, he's a God of love. And a couple of weeks ago, we saw this in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and... Knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God. And let's read this. Because, because God is love. This love is not sentimental. It's not seasonal. It's not uh, birthday love, anniversary love, Mother's Day, Father's Day love. It's not even Valentine's love. This is that God, the God of eternity, has decided to be a loving God, and he is love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. Everything God does in one way or another, you can write this down, expresses his love. And out of the abundance of God's love, his mercy flows. God says, how can I show people my love? And so we know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, in that phrase, he gave, is the mercy of God. That God is merciful. Now, if somebody were to ask you, you know, what, what you were like or, or how would you be described, you may have different things to say about yourself. I'm athletic, I'm talented, I'm, nobody makes a cake like me, uh, nobody barbecues like me. But as we'll see later, God was really bent on letting people know that he's a God of love and that he's a God of mercy. The Apostle Paul had encountered the love of God, the mercy of God on the Damascus Road. In Ephesians 2, he writes this. He says, and we were by nature children of what? Of wrath. Whack-a-mole. See? We're, we're supposed to be whacked. We're supposed to be, you know, sent to hell. I mean, that's what the rest of mankind is supposed to have happen to them. But, God, um, but is there because, um, forget everything I just said, right? But God being... Rich in mercy. The word rich there in the Greek means it cannot be calculated how much. See, if somebody said they're rich, you will probably ask this, what's your net worth? 
Uh, that person's really rich. Well, what are they worth? But in this case, God says uh, through uh, Paul, I am so rich in mercy, I have this uncalculable risk. You, you can't even count how rich I am. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, by grace, by grace, you have been saved. And you've been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, now and throughout eternity, that's what that means, he might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then the prophecy about Jesus in Luke chapter 1, verse 77 and 78, says to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. The God I wish you knew is a God of mercy. Just write that down. God of mercy. And it's the discovery that Moses makes. You see, Moses wanted to know the glory of God. Lord, explain to me what you're like. Tell me what, what you're like. Now, God could have said, well, I'm omnipotent. I have all power. I'm omniscient. I know everything that you're thinking. By the way, go, Moses, think of something. I'll tell you what you're thinking. I'm the great creator. I made you. I, I'm omnipresent. I could be everywhere at one time. But what does God say? This is the first time God reveals himself and his nature and his character. And he answers Moses this way in Exodus 33:19. I will make all goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be to whom I will be gracious, and I will show on whom I will show mercy. It's not up to you, Moses, to determine what I will be like. And it's not up to you to decide whether or not you're going to be merciful to the children of Israel that you're about to lead. Uh, they were a motley crew, let me tell you. They crossed the Red Sea. They praised God for about three minutes, and then they start complaining that God hasn't done anything for them lately. Uh, they got manna every morning. They wake up. They get sick of manna. Uh, God causes water to flow out of a rock. They complain about that. The Bible even says they were stiff-necked and proud and arrogant. They thought they knew more than God. And God says, you know what, Moses, you're going to need this for fuel for your journey. And by the way, I would submit to you that all of us need the mercy of God for the fuel for our journey. He's about to do something that's overwhelming to him. It's the mercy of God. And the first and greatest truth about God is that he is a God merciful and gracious. You need to file that. And maybe you don't need it today, but I promise you, you're going to need it soon. You're going to need to know that the God that you approach with your needs and your circumstances and, and your need for provision, your need for wisdom and direction, your need for healing and guidance your need for taking care of your kids, whatever it might be, you're going to need a God of grace and a God of mercy. Number two, the God I wish you knew answers our mess-ups with his mercy. Now, when you see mess-ups, I just want you all to know that according to all the grammar dictionaries and all grammatical context, I looked it up, it can be hyphenated or without hyphen. And the reason I say that is I don't want anybody to tell me that I messed up on the mess-ups, right? 
It can go either way. Now, what does God do when he answers our mess-ups? He answers them with his mercy. Not with the, I'm going to get you. Come here. You know, I'm going to get you. You're, you're so bad. You're so, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're so, uh, well, you've stepped into the wrong garden. Um, I don't know if anybody saw the rabbit movie yet, but anybody see Rabbit, good. You like it? I liked it. Yeah, we saw, the, we, we saw it, and uh, I thought it was cool. And while I'm sitting in the theater with, with, with my wife, my daughter, and my grandkids, I'm, I'm thinking about how many people are, I'm not giving anything away, don't worry, but, but how many people are like uh, Mr. McGregor? Um, you stay out of my garden. God doesn't want us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. God doesn't want us to enjoy the fruits and the vegetables. God doesn't want us to have any fun. And if he can catch us, he will, he will strangle us. And God doesn't want us to have any joy and happiness. And God doesn't want us to... Hmm. But quite simply, mercy is God's love in action. And God wants us to be, from the beginning, fruitful and multiply. And some people go, oh, cool, let's have a bunch of kids. That's not all that he meant. He wants your life to be fruitful. He wants your life to be multiplied. He wants his mercy and love to flow through you. And when you mess up, God never says, excuse me, I'm fresh out of mercy today. You have to come back tomorrow. We're all sold out. There's no room in the inn. I mean, come on. That's not what this God does. And some of you need to just hear that. If you don't hear me say anything else, God greets your mess-ups with his mercy. Your confusion with his care and his compassion. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Let's read this. Because of the Lord's great love for his mercies, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And every morning that the sun comes up, God has determined, and he wanted us in his word, and he wants you to know this. Every morning the sun comes up, he's got new mercy for you. New mercy. It's fresh. It's not left over. God brings us brand new, fresh mercies. And by the way, his mercies never fail. That, that word fail literally means they don't fall short of your need. So if you have like 10 gallons of sin and corruption and whatever else, he, he comes with 20 gallons of mercy. Well, I'm not that bad. Pastor, I only have one gallon. Oh, well, one quart. Well, good, you got one quart of, of wrongdoing and bad thinking and, and stuff from your past that raises its ugly head. God comes and says, listen, you got one quart. I've got, still got 20 gallons of mercy to pour on it. I want to drown you in my mercy and, and, and in my love. Second Chronicles 30 verse 9 says, the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn uh, his face away from you if you return to him. And then if you want to do a quick study, go through the book of Psalms. You'll spend a lot of time there looking up words like God's love, God's compassion, and God's mercy. Psalm 86.5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Psalm 103.8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. It's also in Psalm 103 that we're told that God's mercy is higher than the heavens. You know, the heavens, the sun is 93 million miles from earth. And David, the psalmist is saying, I'm God, your, your mercy, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm 
five, six. Not me, but David. Maybe five, five. People were shorter back then. Lord, your, your mercy is higher than the heavens. I can see the sun. It's 93 million miles from her. But it doesn't stop there. The next closest star to the earth besides the sun is 24 billion with the B miles away. God, as high as the heavens are, God compares through David how high or how far the heavens are above the earth to his mercy. 24 billion miles of mercy. That's a lot of mercy. But wait, there's more. If you could travel... The speed of light. A light year is the difference distance that you travel going 186,000 miles per second. That's almost 6 trillion miles per year. Our minds can hardly comprehend how far that is. And this is how God chooses to describe his mercy. Some of the outer reaches of galaxies that we've discovered are way out there. That if you traveled at the speed of light, 6 trillion miles miles per year, some of the galaxies we've discovered, it would take you 13 billion years to get there. I mean, so when I'm talking about you've you got a gallon of, of wrongdoing or mess-ups, God's got 20 gallons, I'm not exaggerating even enough. When you look at the stars tonight, you see them way out there in the sky. Just think of God's mercy. It's greater than, farther than, Higher than, and every day, they're new every morning, repeated over and over and over, but it's fresh mercy. God doesn't give you yesterday's love. You know, it's like the guy who gave his wife a card, and then he saw it on the dresser, and he put it away, and five years later, he brought it out. Hey, look, hon, I got a card for you. He goes, wait a minute, this is, I've seen this before, There's something familiar about this card. Oh, yeah, dear, I picked it out for you. I love you so much, honey bun. I just think you're, you're just amazing. And she goes, wait a minute. This is a card you gave me five years ago. Now, ladies, how, how much would you be grateful for that card? I mean, rehashed love, re, something rehashed. It's like leftovers are good a few nights. Then after about 10, if you still have them, God bless you, you know, 12, 13. If you're still eating turkey from Thanksgiving, God bless you. Yeah. You know, David, David says, God, I know that your mercy is fresh. Matter of fact, in Psalm 51, he says, have mercy on me, God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. You see, David got caught. I mean, he was busted. And Gad, in 2 Samuel, comes to David and tells him, um, you have some options of punishment. Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes and they'll pursue you? Or shall there be three days of pestilence in the land? Now consider, David, which one of your punishments do you want to accept? And David, I mean, he's just so smart. He said, uh, well, I'm in distress, great distress. But let us, my people and I, Fall on the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. In other words, Gad, Gad, I know you, you want me to have pestilence or, or famine or 
or be pursued. <laughs> but Gad, I have something to tell you. I'm just going to appeal to the mercy of God. I'm going to lay on the mercy of the court. I'm going to lay on the mercy of the greatest judge that there is. You know, mercy is defined this way. It's compassion or forbearance shown to the offender. So most of you have this down, but let me just show you again, probably remedial for many of you, what justice, mercy, and grace are. See, with justice, you get what you deserve, right? Right? With mercy, you don't get what you deserve. Mercy holds at bay all that you deserve. The wages of sin is death, and mercy says, no way. No way. You're not coming in here, death. Because these dear people have given their life to Christ. They believe in Christ. They, they follow after Christ. They believe he died and rose again from the dead for them. It was a substitutionary death. They get that. They believe he rose again from the dead. So, so mercy, mercy says, death, you have, you have no place here. And then grace says, oh, not only does mercy hold at bay what you deserve, grace gives you what you don't deserve. So, quick question. Have you ever been driving in your car? And behind you, you see some lights that are flashing, either red or, or blue. Come on, anybody? Yeah, yeah. And so... The law enforcement with justice says, we're going to give you what you deserve. Now, let me let you in on a secret. Because I've been in police cars many times. Sheriff cars, CHP cars, and I get to ride in the front. i got to clarify that. <laughs> I don't get to drive, but I ride shotgun literally next to the shotgun. And i got to tell you, people are really funny when they get stopped by law enforcement. Um... What, what did you do, those of you that got stopped? What was your first reaction? <laughs> well, let, let, me, let me tell you what I see. Most people check for their seatbelt. Want to make sure it's on, right? Come on. Um, if they have their cell phone in hand. <laughs> right? Right? Um, I'm just going to tell you, most people go 10 and 2 with their hands. 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, come on. And where do you look? Most people look right down at the speedometer. How fast was that? The minute you see those lights, boop, boop, my gosh, what a... Huh? Hmm. Now, justice says you're getting a ticket. And, and please, by the way, please understand, all our law enforcement is doing is enforcing the law. And here's what I found out in our country. Are you ready for this? Most people don't want to be enforced. <laughs> you know? And, and tragically, a couple more cops were shot this week in our country. Um, we've had more law enforcement shootings in 2018 thus far than any other year um, in history in our country. So pray for them. And let me just give you a secret, okay? This, this, is, this, this is the chaplain Fetterman, Okay? Um, when they stop you, be really nice. Put your hands at 10 and 2. Don't reach for things. Lady gets his big purse. True story. Okay, I'm standing at the back of the car looking this way, letting the cops do their work. I, I, don't, I do ride-alongs, but I don't get involved, right? But this lady has a bag. I'm not talking about just a purse or a bag. She's got a bag, and she's reaching in 
with both hands while the cops at the window. Not smart. Are you with me? Not, not, not smart. Um, the best thing to do is be nice and do whatever they say. Yay! Yay, yay. And don't lie. Officer says, what were you doing? Listen, we, there was a lady about six months ago. She ran a stop sign. I mean, she, did, she didn't even do a California stop, which is an oxymoron. She didn't even pump the brake. She right through the stop sign. Officer stops her, says, ma'am, do you know why I'm stopping you? No. You ran a stop sign back there. No, I didn't. By the way, she wasn't lying. She never knew there was a stop sign there, didn't see the stop sign because she was watching a video on her phone. And we could see the glow in her face. Ah, yeah, yeah. So justice says you're getting a ticket. And what's your reaction? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, you're sad. <laughs> and mercy is you deserve the ticket, but the officer says to you, I'm going to let you go with a, a warning. And what's your emotion? Yeah. But grace is the officer says, I'm letting you go with a warning. And here's a coupon for a free extra large pizza. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Oh, and another coupon for yogurt after you eat your pizza. And a card for the brand new Starbucks on Ocean and E Street. If you need some caffeine. And you're going to go, whoa. And that's called grace. God says you deserve a ticket for all the wrongdoing that you've done. Mercy says no way. There will be no ticket. <laughs> and then grace is you get my presence. You get my blessing. I mean, it's just amazing. Amazing. Jesus tells a story about a leader, a master, whose servant owed him a great deal of money and couldn't pay the debt. And so the, the master comes to the servant and says, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell your wife and your kids. By the way, he really loved his wife and kids, so that was not an option for him. For some people, he's like, hey, that's cool. Um, but no, it wasn't an option for him at all. And then what he does is he turns to his servant that owed him a little amount of money and says, pay up or else. Pay up or else. And Jesus says these words. The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. You see, he said, Lord, have mercy on me. God extended mercy to him, but now he couldn't turn around and give mercy to anyone else. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had upon you? And we're going to see this in a moment before we finish that when God has given us mercy, we need to be merciful to people around us. The God I wish you knew sent Jesus to embody mercy. Embody it. Jesus didn't just come to share mercy. He embodied mercy. Jesus is the mercy of God that is made human. Paul the Apostle who encountered the mercy of God on the Damascus Road, he wrote these words and he talked about Moses. Remember, Moses had the grace, the compassion, and the mercy of God revealed to him. And he says, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. See, what he's saying is, you can write this down, that God literally is the mercy-having God. He has mercy. It's who he is. 
It's who he is. See, our God is not just powerful. He's not simply a God of uncompromising justice. He is the mercy-having God. And because of that, the God number four that I wish you knew desires that we extend mercy to others. Mercy to others. Now, I want you to do an exercise. It won't take long, and it won't be that painful. But I want you to picture someone in your mind that you might feel in your heart doesn't deserve the mercy of God. Somebody really different than you. Maybe, maybe, maybe something that has a different lifestyle or different values. Or maybe somebody who's like totally opposite of you politically. Or somebody who like is just anti-Christian, you know, Christian, didn't like Christian. And you, you, you might think of them. And I have to be careful because I've done this three times a day and I've already thought of three different people. But who are we to say that person doesn't deserve the mercy of God when we've received the mercy of God? See, what the Lord said through Moses and repeated by the Apostle Paul is, I get to choose who I have mercy and compassion on, not you. Yeah, but, you know, that person over there, you know, kind of whispering in the shadows, that, 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 per, that person over there, there's no way God would ever forgive them or have mercy on them. They're really, like, bad. They're, like... And I've talked to people that are so different than me. I love doing that. I get to be around Christians. I work in a Christian environment every day. And sometimes for me, and some, some of you wish you did, right? But sometimes for me, it's like, gosh, everybody's so nice here. Nobody cusses here. I mean, it's, you know, so that's why I go out with the police department and <laughs> encounter the community, right? At some of their finest moments. And I've learned so much. And I, I've learned that our officers are just human. I've learned that our probation department does just a fine job. That they're, they've, they've got so many people to watch and check up on. I don't even know how they do it, but they do it. I've talked to people that work at our prison day in and day out. They're dealing with the incarcerated. I mean, just think of all of that. I've talked to our fire department. I have to deal with all kinds of 911 calls. I mean, people have a headache. They call 911. Buy a scanner. You'd be, you, you get it. You, you would learn so much about our town. Nosebleed, 911 call. Police, fire truck, ambulance, every helicopter, and the Marines come, you know. <laughs> got a nosebleed. It's just crazy. But, but I've learned about our culture, and, and it makes me a better pastor, I believe. It teaches me how to pray. I can just, you know, live in my office in my house. I've got Christians in my house, Christians in my church. I work with Christians. I hang with Christians. After a while, it's like, ah, too much Christ. And you might go, is that wrong? No, but there's no way to bring Christ to the world if you don't even know what your neighbor is like. How do you love your neighbor if you never go meet them or greet them or hang out with them? You know, or talk to somebody that's different. I, I, I've met traveling nurses that have come from other states that are here in Lompoc. I've I met people when we have major launches that are here sometimes a month at a time, uprooted from their family. I've talked to people in the LGBTQIA community. I talked to a guy who said, you know what? I love to get high because that's when I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, man, where's the verse for that? <laughs> and he goes, if I, get, you know, if I get really high, then I relax and I get in his presence and I hear God talk. I also see people at the window that aren't there. 
people that knock on my door that aren't there, my, my house telephone rings and I don't have one. <laughs> and I could have said, you know what, that's blasphemy. I could have just railed on him. Said, help me, un- help me understand your heart. I-, I want you to know I disagree with you, but I won't shun you from my life. And I want you to know that no matter what you think or what you believe or what you vote or how you act, God's mercy is new and fresh every morning. The worst criminal, the worst sinner, the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Mercy is compassionate treatment of those who are in distress. And we remember the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you read it this way, the, the, the pastor comes by and doesn't do anything. And the Levite, he was the assistant pastor, he went by, and then the youth pastor went by, and the worship leader went by. And finally, somebody who's, who's supposed to be you know, the enemy of the Jews, a Samaritan comes by, and you think he might, this guy's in the gutter, and he's already been beaten up, you think he might just give him another sock and, and say, you don't deserve it, but he picks him up and puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to the uh, Hilton Garden, Puts down his credit card and says, I'm paying for the room and all incidentals. He says, wow. And Jesus said, the neighbor here, Luke 10, was the one who had mercy on him. And then here's what Jesus says. I hope you hear this for you. Go and do likewise. Go and love on people who are nothing like you. Go and love on people that have a different color of their skin or Maybe, maybe they, 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 they fall on hard times. Maybe they don't know how to get out of the situation they're in. Or maybe they just don't like Christians. Because after all, this person I said, you're like judgmental. That's all you guys do is judge everybody. And I said, not the people in third service. <laughs> you know, Jesus said the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's reciprocity. What goes around comes around. You want to be receiving mercy? You show mercy to everybody. You show mercy to everybody. So put your things aside. I I want to end by sharing something that uh, Max Lucado and I wrote together. He doesn't know that we wrote it together. (laughs) but, But I took his words and blended them with my words and did some editing. And Max, if you're watching, thank you so much for your credit. I want you to picture the cross. And if I could share this with the world that doesn't know God, the God I wish they knew, the cross of Jesus, Calvary's hill. And I want you to think about the two thieves, one on each side. And here's what the thief, especially one of them, got to hear. The groans. Galgotha plays like a minor There's no song of hope. There's no Valentine's Day here. There's no sonnet of life. Just harsh chords of death. Pain and death. Pain and death. And the thief sees them and he hears them. But the thief sees and hears something else. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. A sound he did not expect to hear in the midst of death and pain. Father, forgive them. Mercy is speaking. Mercy is happening. The devil's not in charge here. Rome is not in charge here. The God of heaven is in charge here. 
Jesus is giving his life. The God who is filled with mercy is speaking now. Mercy embodied in Jesus is acting now. And Jesus prays on a Roman cross. But here's how the thief reacts. Mockery. Even the robbers, Matthew says, who were crucified with him, reviled him. Having been hurt, the thief now hurts. Having been broken, the thief now tries to break others. Hurting people hurt people. And even the hill of Calvary has a pecking order. And this thief refuses the bottom rung. He joins the jeers who are saying, he saved others. He can't save himself. King of Israel? He's not the king. But if he is, who he says he is, then let him down off the cross. After all, he said he's the son of God. In mockery, he speaks. But Jesus, in mercy, refuses to retaliate. The thief sees for the first time that day, for the first time in who knows how many days, kindness, mercy, patience, forbearance. The thief softens. He stops mocking Christ and then attempts to stop those that are mocking Christ. We deserve this, the thief says, but not him. He's done nothing wrong. Now he's on a cross, just like us. He did nothing to deserve this. The thief senses that he's close to a man who's heaven-bound and requests, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, have mercy on me. And this mercy-filled, grace-drenched reply comes, don't worry, I will remember you. And today... You will join me in paradise. And the bad day of the bad man is met with the gracious gift of the mercy-giving God. What does this thief see now? He sees the son entrust his mother to a friend and honor a friend with his mother. He sees the God who wrote the book on grace, the God who coaxed Adam and Eve to come out from hiding from the bushes, murderous Moses out of the desert, the God who made a place for David when David pleaded for the mercy of heaven. The God who didn't give up on Elijah, though Elijah gave up on him. This is what the thief sees. What does he hear? He hears what the fugitive Moses heard in the desert. Depressed Elijah heard in the desert. He hears what fickle Peter heard after the rooster crowed. And the storm-tossed disciples heard after the wind stopped when the storm almost capsized their boat, or so they thought. The oft-married Samaritan woman heard before the disciples came the hard-headed and hard-hearted Saul on the Damascus road, the paralyzed man who, who was dropped to Jesus through the roof, the blind man when he met Jesus on the street, the disciples after Christ resurrected, They met him on a beach in the morning. He hears the official language of Christ, grace, undeserved, unexpected grace. Today you will join me in paradise. The home of the righteous, the tree of life is there. The saints are there. God is there. And now the thief who began the day in a Roman jail will be there too, for nothing is impossible with God. With Jesus, there'll be no backdoor entrance, no late-night arrival. Paradise knows neither night or second-class citizens. 
and the thief will enter the gate on Jesus' red carpet, and that is mercy. Today, he says, immediately, there is no purgatory purging, no Hades rehab, no limbo state, no disconnection from the body floating around with no place to go. Today, he says, grace comes like a golden sunrise illuminating the thief's dark day. Execution's hill becomes a mount of transfiguration. And perhaps some of you could use the same. For yesterday's mistakes play a role of the Roman death squad. They escort you and me up Calvary's hill of shame. And faces of the past line the trail. And voices declare your crimes as you pass. And you're soon nailed to the cross of your mistakes and your mess-ups. Dumb mistakes. Stupid mistakes. What do you see? You see death. What do you feel? You feel shame. And what do you hear? This is the question. What do you hear? Can you somehow hear Jesus above the accusers? He promises today you will join me in paradise. And the God I wish you knew says you are forgiven. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Doesn't come to whack you over the head. Doesn't come to beat you up and leave you on the side of the road. He comes to take the stink out of our lives, the throes of our sin, the very smell of death itself. And when others may nail you to the cross of your past and remind you of how horrible you were, how awesomely terrible you were, you could stop and say, Jesus tells me, I'm forgiven. Paradise. Where Jesus treats your shame-filled days with grace. He'll take your guilt if you ask Him. He'll take your life. He awaits for you to ask Him to be your Savior and your Lord. To forgive you from all your sins. When we are wrong, He is right. Where we sin, He's our Savior. Where we need grace, He gives it to us without reservation. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.